Okay, here we go. We're going to get started. This will be fun today. We're going to do a little bit more interactive um, way to start. Um, not to start, but um, the whole morning is going to be interactive because we've got a lot to cover. And so I thought, well, we're going to have you guys pull some stuff out of the text. So um, the first thing you might be looking for is um, the homework notes for the week. And they're being printed so, um, as we speak. So you'll get to pick those up on the way out. But luckily, um, we just have some, a page for you to take some notes on, on your table right now. So let me um, just pray over our time, and then we'll get started. Father God, thank you for another beautiful day. Thank you for life and breath and um, the ability to come and worship and learn about you freely and openly. God, help us to never take that for granted. God, would you teach us something new? God, would you just, um, through your Holy Spirit, would you just convict us of things that we need to uh, be grounded in? God, would you give us a great morning just learning and loving your word? Amen. Okay, so this is going to be hard with this microphone. I heard a great analogy this week, and I thought uh, this, this is a perfect analogy for the book of Hebrews. You know when you go to the zoo, like a really big zoo, and there's signs going every direction? This, the bears are this way. The, uh, the reptiles are this way. And um, sometimes you, you keep coming across the same sign. You're like... I, would, I already saw the giraffes, they're right over there, but I guess you could go around this way and you could get to the giraffes just the same way as well. But the, the signs are there, but sometimes it's like, I've already seen that, but how can it be coming up again? I thought, that's the book of Hebrews. <laughs> it's, we're going to go, we're going to kind of go in circles a little bit. And so as I was just praying through how to teach this section, two chapters, I thought, we're just going to break it down by um, subject. So we're just going to go by subject. And um, I thought that's going to help us because I always, it's hard sometimes for me to read through something and organize it in my brain, which is why I love to give you guys charts. I love to go just to Google and like give me a chart. So there's a chart on the back of your thing that talks about Melchizedek. It's just for fun, just because it helps, for me, it helps my brain to, to um, kind of think, Okay, this is, it's just a, it's a picture of um, something that we're reading. So what we're going to start by doing is just looking through um, Melchizedek. We've already talked about Melchizedek. I think, I think two times already it's like, oh, Melchizedek. And one time it was like, you are too slow to understand, so, you know, we can't talk about that now. But he's coming back around and saying, okay, now we're going to talk about Melchizedek. So it's slightly confusing, and we don't know a lot about it. I, um, I, as I was going through my homework this week, I noticed there was a, um, a piece that was missing. Did any of you notice that? Yeah. It went from 5-3, so week 5, day 3, to week 5, day 5, and I thought, because I'm a math genius, I thought, where's four? And it, so it didn't print on my copy. So maybe it didn't print on yours. But um, there, some, maybe some of you, it did. Are, they're having problems with the printer. And they're, luckily, the printer guy is here right now. And Brianne is showing him, here's the problem with the printer. 
So um, anyway, it's, we're just going to do it right now. It's all about Melchizedek. So at your tables, what I want you to do is uh, you'll have one spokesperson, but maybe each of you want to just write down what do we know about Melchizedek. That's all. Just give me the facts. And then we're going to talk about them. So I'm going to give you about three, three to four minutes. Just read through Hebrews 7 and put um, one spokesperson at your table that can write it down. And then we're going to make a list up here. And we're just going to go through, okay, what do we know about Melchizedek? You could also look in Genesis 14 if you um, are interested in looking that up uh, versus kind of uh, around the middle of the chapter. Talks about Melchizedek. So just write down for me facts, things that we know about Melchizedek. Yeah, do it as a, do, so one person will be your spokesperson, but everybody just kind of shout out what you know. Okay? So it'd be a group, it's a group project for sure. Mary, where's your, Bria, she's dealing, do you want to, do you want to join in a different, a different group or you, they're there, they're already here. Yes. All right. So you'll be ahead of the game.
Okay, you guys are having some great discussion. I'm gonna just give you another minute or two because it sounds like you're still going, you're still digging. Some of this you've already looked at. Um, so you can, I love the collaboration. All right, how are we doing? Are we, we about done? I think uh, we can bring up a lot of things for discussion. So, so this would be really good to get you guys talking and asking questions. All right, we're going to get started with our list. Tell me one thing that you found out about Melchizedek. He's a high priest, and we've talked about the high priesthood uh, last week, so we're not going to go in that. We're going to, um, a little bit later, we're going to um, look at why Jesus is better than the high priesthood from all we've learned. We're just going to kind of sum that up. What else do we know about Melchizedek? King of Salem. He was the king. Have we, is there any other reference to a high priest being a king? No. No, so that's significant. He's the king. Um, and Salem, that word um, comes from the word like shalom. And so that's going to be an early, um, that's probably um, Jerusalem. That's probably the early um, town of Jerusalem. I don't know if it's town or city. I don't know what that would be. What else do we know about Melchizedek? His name meant righteousness. So literally, um, in the Hebrew, uh, Melk would mean king. I I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I'm sure I'm not saying that. And then Tzedek, T-S-E-D-E-Q, means righteousness. So his name literally means king of righteousness. So um, isn't it interesting how they would uh, give people names that kind of meant something? So the only thing that I can think of is... Um, modern day, if you would call like on um, Fixer Upper, um, the, one of the workers is called Shorty. It's, it's, that's who he is, right? That kind of describes, that was kind of the, the, um, the way that they described people um, in the Old Testament. What else? Um, he had no origin. No origin that we know of. Right. Right. You're exactly right. Um, so he's making a point that we don't know, there's things that we don't know about um, Melchizedek. And so I heard some talk at this table 
Like, was this uh, the guy that was taken away? Nope. Who was that? Enoch. That was Enoch. Right. So he's not saying that. What he's doing is he's making this is a type. And we're going we're to review. Uh, remember I said we're learning about typology. And so we're, we're getting um, this. Uh, since he had no origin, um, it's in um, no genealogy. That also um, points to the, like the Levitical priesthood. If you were part of the tribe of Levi, you would know, and that would be an important thing because that would make you a priest. But this is making a point to saying this is, he's not from the tribe of Levi. We, we don't know. Because in actuality, back when uh, there was Abraham, how many other Hebrews were there? None. <laughs> None. So where did, where did we get Melchizedek? John Wilkins said he was a Canaanite. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to need to look into that more. <laughs> that, is, that is fascinating to think of. But anyway, that would have been super important to know what tribe that you were from. So he's making a point that because Jesus is from the different tribe, um, this is, this is a, it's a precedence. It's a type. All right, what else do we know? It's a priest forever. Yep, so we make that comparison um, with Jesus forever. So um, Melchizedek, is, it's another way he's showing he's a type. Great, keep, keep going. There's a few more things. He received the tithe from Abram? He received the tithe, yes. Okay, so this is a great point. So um, the tithe was, uh, so it's, it's similar to the first fruits. The first fruits were uh, what you gave to God. And we still um, honor this principle. This is the salary that we give to our, um, our, our church for our pastors. It's, um, it goes back to the Old Testament festival of the, um, the so in the spring, you had uh, the festival of the, it was, it was all during one week, um, Passover, um, Passover, and there was unleavened bread, and then the first fruits. That was all during one festival that you had that time where they would bring their, honor, their um, first fruits of barley. Barley was the first crop that they had, and they would um, bring that as um, an honor to the Lord. Just saying, like, we give God, we give you the first part because it all belongs to you. It was symbolic of that. So that was a tithe that um, that he that he gave to him. Um, okay, we'll we'll keep going. There's a, there's another point that I want to make in there. Well, let's just say, um, who looked back into Genesis to figure out? How did Abraham come upon Melchizedek? What was he doing? Yes. Do you remember who got who got himself taken? Lot. Lot, Lot got himself taken, and so Abraham went and um, and got his stuff back, which is amazing to think about that. So the spoils of war, that was just the, that was part of the rules of uh, war. You got to take, um, 
the things. And so um, he was honoring Melchizedek with that tithe. That's a great point. All right, what else do we know? So what would that be symbolic of? Yep, yep. So a sacramental uh, meal. It could just be a meal, bread and wine. That's what they had. But um, it's probably a reference to some kind of a sacramental meal. Yeah, that's a great point. Anything else? There's a, there's a point in there where they say um, he makes a fact about the greater blessing the lesser. And so that would be all about, it, it's normally not that a king would bless um, one of their servants, right? That normally wouldn't happen, except in the kingdom of God, right? If I, um, I had a thought this past month. I'd love to write a Bible study called this is probably a great, not a great name, but the thought of like <laughs> reversal of fortunes. The Bible is filled with like, oh, this person is the second born, and guess what? They're greater than the firstborn. And um, just like when you think uh, Joseph, ah, oh, he's in slavery. He's ah, oh, he's been sold, but he becomes the most, the second most powerful uh, person in the nation of Egypt. Like. That's all about God's kingdom. There's story after story after story about how um, just what you think something is, no, it's God's going to flip it on its head. I love that. You can always find something new. So that it basically is the point about the greater uh, blessing the lesser. And I think there was in your chart that's on the back of your notes, it just shows a little bit um, about how that works for the... Um, the people who are receiving um, the covenant. Okay, anything else? We did good. Anything else that you guys have that you want to talk about? Any other weird phrasing or something that you were um, wondering, why did it specifically say this? Yeah, great. Yes. Very involved. Yes. And he blessed him. I love that. Yes. So uh, at the very beginning, I said, okay, we're going to learn this theological concept called typology. And we've been learning it over and over and over. And so I just want to bring back up a definition of what we're learning. So typology is a real person, event, or thing that God has ordained as a predictive pattern of Jesus. So uh, let me say it again. It's a real person, a real event, or a real thing that God has ordained as a predictive pattern or a resemblance of Jesus. 
could be Jesus, the, his person, or the work that Jesus does. Okay, one last time. It's a real person, event, or thing that God has ordained as a predictive pattern or resemblance of Jesus, his person, or his work. Okay, so that's uh, what we're learning about Melchizedek, is that we're learning that um, it's, he's similar to Melchizedek. We learned previously about the um, high priesthood, and we talked about how Jesus is better than the high priesthood. And so what, now the next thing I want you to make a list of is all that we've learned about how Jesus is better than the priesthood. Okay, so just like you gave us facts about Melchizedek, um, I want you to just look through over the text that we've read for today, Hebrews 7 and 8, and let's um, talk about what about Jesus is better. We're just going to make a list. We're just going to bring it right home because we've been studying this for, this is week six, right? We're halfway. We've been learning this. Let's um, solidify what we know about how Jesus is better. So I'm just going to give you about three minutes just to talk that through and appoint uh, maybe your same person at your table can be the spokesperson. And then uh, we're going to come back together and talk that through. All right. If you've got some extra thoughts, write it down and um, make sure that you just shout it out. Tell me what we've learned. We've, we've talked all the way through um, from, so far, from angels, you know, from creation all the way down to the priesthood, to sinful men, all the way, Jesus is better than all of that from heaven to earth. And so tell me why. Guarantor. I love that. Does anybody have um, a definition for what, what is that? What is a guarantor? What do they do? So if you default on your loan, the person, somebody else guarantees it. This is what your, um, when you pay the PMI mortgage, uh, that's the, oh, uh, sounds like PMS mortgage to me. Like, I hate that. Like, wait a minute, what do you mean I have to pay extra insurance on my mortgage? Well, that's the guarantor that if you default on it, the insurance is going to cover it. So if, um, if you default, not if you default, I mean, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is going to guarantee. Um, we're going to, there's going to be another, I think it's in 13, Hebrews 13, where it says this is an e eternal covenant eternal covenant. I love that word. Um, okay, what else? He's better because he sits beside God in the place of honor. Yes. Yes. He's in the heavenlies. He's not on earth um, still offering again and again. He's eternal. And we talked about the, that would be like a, a we're looking towards um, a place of rest. And um, that would be... Um, in the in our next life, going to be on the new earth. Jesus is there still today. Okay. He constantly makes intercession for us. Constantly, he's always when when God looks at us, 
he sees Jesus, the work of Jesus. I love the example that, um, were you guys here? I think it was, it was sometime this year when Michael gave the example of he had the um, little character, uh, Bill. Yeah, Suzanne knows. Um, he said, don't be like Bill. Um, but he had a glass that he put it in, and it's um, when, when God looks at us, we have no righteousness of our own. He looks at us, and he sees the work of Jesus. If you are in him, we'll talk about that later. Like, what does that mean to be in him? Okay, what else? Yes. We are a royal priesthood. That is um, a fabulous concept um, that's in, uh, I think it's Colossians. We no longer have to go. I think um, we talked in your homework. It's either this week or next week. I can't remember. Um, how long would it take you to get your sacrifice ready and take it to the priest? Was that in this week's homework? It's going to be in next week, so let's think that through. Okay, so if you had your period, you were unclean for seven days. So, okay, so there you go. But then, so um, how long is it going to take you to get this animal? And, you know, I don't know how far you live from the temple. You're going to have to take it. Like, that was just in order to go um, before God. How, how amazing is it? We can, you can lay in your bed and you can talk to God. Got rid of the middleman. I love that. I love that. And so now it says we're back to where um, the Israelites were originally supposed to be uh, a nation of priests where they would show the other people around God, who, what is it like to be a child of God? They were supposed to be able to reflect that and show that. And so now that's our um, job that we get to do to other people. We get to show them what Jesus is like. All right, what else? Susan, quick question about that. I hope this isn't bad. Were the, we'll see. Were the, <laughs> were the Pharisees supposed to be the priests? Like, no. They? No, it was, um, so it was supposed to be, um, it's in Exodus where it says you were to be a nation of priests. So you think back to Exodus, how the, um, when you had the Passover and every man was before his household was supposed to be representative as the priest to do that. Um, so there was still Levites as high priest when Jesus came. When, so when Jesus came, yes. So then, so that was initially, maybe I miss, I'm just, as I'm thinking this through, it was supposed to be, um, Israel was a nation of priests. Then when they had the incident with the calf, the golden calf, there was, um, there was a rebellion, and it was the tribe of Levi that stood with Moses. And so God says, you are the people that are going to stand with me, you are going to be the priests. And so then the... Um, so then the firstborn of every family, which was supposed to be part of the priesthood, had to go and be redeemed. So that's how they got to be. Did that answer the question? Yeah, so when, well, kind of, when Jesus came, the Pharisees had added all that extra stuff. I'm just thinking of now how to get my sacrifice to, to the temple, because you have me thinking about that. And I'm thinking, well, if the Pharisees got in my way, like, 
Right. Because they added all. Right. And so I'm up. one, yeah, I don't know how the, the Pharisees came in. They were just part of like the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were kind of like self-appointed right. religious leaders. Yeah. Because they checked. Remember when you yes. checked through the temple and there was yes. all that checking going on? Where were the priests? Where were the Levites? Right. And you had to have, you couldn't bring, you couldn't bring your Roman coins in because they had an icon of it, of um, Caesar. You had to have your own temple money. And so they were, they were like, oh, we're going to make money on this. So they kind of muddied all the waters and made it more difficult for you to bring a sacrifice in. Yes. Okay. Give me, tell me more about Jesus. Why is Jesus better? His sacrifice was, he didn't have to sacrifice for himself. He what? He didn't have to do a sacrifice for his own sins, but right. just for us. Right. That's why he's perfect. And uh, this is what I learned. It's because he's the priest that he, and also the sacrifice, that it, there's no way that that sacrifice can ever be tainted with sin because he lives forever. There never needs to be another priest. His, his person and his sacrifice will never be tainted from sin. What about the part where it says, um, so you had mentioned it before that there's no mediator, and the point that we can draw near was a reflection of the priesthood where they would draw near one time of year where he could go into the Holy of Holies and draw near to God. Like, you can do that all the time. I love that, um, that thought that you, you just think, I can draw near to God any time. But for them, it was once a year that the priest would go in to offer the sacrifice for the intentional sins. If you, um, and this gets into more, the, all the um, sacrifices that we had, in the Old Testament were for unintentional sins. But the one time of year you had your the Day of Atonement, that was for, like, if you just willingly uh, slapped your sister, you know, there was no sacrifice for that to make, except that one time of year when you were absolved of everything. It was just a joyous, if you can just imagine, one, that one day a year. Suzanne. One person could go in one time a year. Every, yeah. All the little people couldn't go. I know. So we're going to talk about the new covenant. Yeah. And you, if you were, and if you were um, somehow infirmed and crippled, you, you, could, you couldn't even go into the temple area. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about what's better about the new covenant. <laughs> women, they had their own court. Yep, the, they, the court of women. Okay, what else about Jesus? Yes. 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 The new covenant. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Now, Jesus, or God could have just said it, like, right? We take all of God's word seriously, but it's like a double bind where he says, I'm going to swear an oath. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, it's like this, it cannot, it cannot be broken. Cool. What else we got? All the angels worship him. 
Yeah, yeah. There's nothing, no one here on earth uh, that we worship, but everything in all of creation worships the living God. I um, think about that verse where um, creation is, um, I, I don't know where it is, creation is groaning and waiting. Romans. And I think about what, what was creation? How amazing is it that the trees that God made for us in the spring um, turn all these different shades of green and have beautiful flowers on them. And then during the summer, they're cleaning the air. And um, then in the fall, where we are now, all the amazing <laughs> colors that they turn. And yet they're still waiting for the time when God will redeem, like, like what, what, what else are they going to do? What are they? Romans 1.20. Thank you, Sally, for looking that up. Um, I just think about those things, like creation is waiting, and what's, what's going to happen? And there's another verse um, that I think of a lot that says, you can't even think or imagine. So I really try and think or imagine, like, okay, well, what, it's going to be even greater than that. I love that. What is it? Ephesians 3.20, I love that. I am better at concepts than I am at the text, but I, the, the memory, but I, um, I love the Awana program and the, um, the foundation that is for text. Okay, one more thing. Do we see how it says in there it's got like a copy and a shadow? Are you understanding that concept? That's typology. It's like... This is just, you think about if you um, see a shadow of something, you're a tree, and you're looking at the shadow. You don't sit and look at the shadow. You know, that, you know what it is. You look at the tree, and you see how beautiful that is. And so that's the picture of like all these things. We only have our human language and our earthly experience to understand God, who is otherworldly. And so we give all these experiences that show us um, all about Jesus and give us different language and different pictures because everybody learns differently. All right, let's see. We're going to go into, we've talked about Melchizedek. We've talked about Jesus being better. We're going to go into talking about Old Covenant and New Covenant. So let's start with one, let's get a definition of covenant. Then we're going to look into um, we're going to look into the new covenant first, because we haven't really studied a lot about the old covenant. But what we know about the new covenant will help us learn about the old covenant. We've touched on things, but um, I was in a Bible study one time of the Old Testament. And we kept coming up with this covenant word. And it was strange to me because they were all different, but they're all called a covenant. So you've got the covenant with Abraham that said, um, God says, through you I'm going to bless all the nations. That's uh, an unchangeable covenant. That means that was the clue that the Gentiles were going to be included in this great, big, mysterious plan of God. Okay, then you've got the covenant with um, Noah, what's the sign of the covenant with Noah? 
the rainbow. And so um, he says that's a, that's a covenant. Uh, then you've got um, a covenant with the house of David, that Jesus is going to come from the line of David. Uh, Moses, this is a big one. This is the one that we're going to be talking about today when we're talking about the old covenant and the new covenant. The one that we're going to be talking about is the one with Moses. So basically a covenant, we've touched on this a little bit, just defines the relationship. And so the best way is for you to think about a marriage covenant. You, you stand up there and you say what you're going to do. And it's binding. And that's the same way um, that it is with God. God, the whole Bible is ha about how to be in a relationship with God. And he sets some, um, some rules. So the one with the old covenant, unfortunately, um, the people were not able to keep it. So let's look. Somebody read for me Exodus 19.5. Exodus 19.5, and we're going to hear about um, what was the stipulation for this particular covenant. So there's different kinds of covenants. There's ones where God does both parts. That would be like our new covenant. God does both parts. He says, if you break it, I'm going to be the guarantor. I'm going um, to stand in your place and fix it. Um, but the Mosaic covenant had a stipulation. So somebody read for me Exodus 19.5. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice. What was that? Now therefore, if. You if. If. Okay. If, <laughs> if you obey my voice. Okay, and so then uh, what was, what was going to happen? If you obey my voice. And keep my covenant. And keep the covenant. You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth will be my treasured possession. And what did the people say if you look down um, into 19.7? They were like, we will do it. <laughs> they said they would do it. But what did you find out in your homework today? They didn't, they didn't do it. They broke it. OK, so um, different kinds of covenants. Some are unconditional. God does both parts. This was a conditional one. The people, he said, if you obey, um, you will be blessed. If you don't obey, uh, you'll receive curses. Which, in the verse that you looked up in your homework, what was the um, result of them not obeying their, uh, what they said they would do? It's in um, Hebrews 9, at the end of 9. Sorry, eight, sorry, chapter 8, verse 9. I said that wrong. He turned, his turned his back. It says, the text says, so I showed no concern for them, which is very scary. But they didn't do what they said they were going to do. And so um, all of these covenants, God is showing us how he's drawing us to himself. And he gave us every opportunity, every possible way you could say, well, if God just did it, you know, if I... If he just told me to obey, I would do it. And the law shows us, no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. This is why we need Jesus. Okay, so I want you to, so that is um, a little bit about a covenant. 
in your text, you learned about the new covenant. I'm going to give you three minutes to um, learn everything. And most of it is in, I'll give you a hint, it's in chapter 8, um, right after that uh, part that we, that we read. So start about verse 10 and write down everything that we know from that chapter about the new covenant or anything that you know anything you know about the new covenant all right you're quieting down i'm sure there's lots uh, that'll come to your mind even as we um talk it through but we'll go we're gonna finish up here but this is really good for you to dig into the text isn't it and just to pull out the things that that you're reading it's one thing to go through and read the text but then when you have a project and you have to go through and pull things out it just helps you solidify it um, in your brain. Okay, so tell me what are the things that we know about the new covenant? Connie, you had something you were going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Well, we gotta... I, I will say it. I, I just like, I just was looking at the verses again, and I just I, like, it's like tablets of oh, stone versus written on their hearts we would know versus being taught yes you would um, tablets so she said tablets of stone versus being written on their heart um and then and talked about if you wouldn't teach this you will know this right? right right so what am i doing up here why am i here if nobody needs to be taught <laughs> who is our teacher the Holy Spirit. So that's a point where he's um, saying, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit that's going to teach you. And so sometimes if you're, um, you're sitting with your homework and you're like, I, I don't know what they're asking me. Sometimes you can just sit there a little bit and meditate on it and the Holy Spirit can bring things to mind. Sometimes you need to call a friend <laughs> and say, you know, what are, what are you learning about this? Uh, that the Holy Spirit has, um, has taught you. So um, we can do that for one another, but the beautiful thing is just the gift that the Holy Spirit is to us that they did not have. So that would be a contrast. The Old Covenant, they did not have it. So as we're going through, we'll just write down things we know about the Old Covenant too. All right, what else? When you sit along the path. Walk by the way, and when you lie down and rise up, I can't find it, but six four. Deuteronomy. I love that. Six. And they had to do that. That was like, you need to do this for your children. Right. So we're not required. I mean, we should want to, but. Right. They had to learn because the laws were so intricate and detailed. And so the reason that the the laws were given was, if you think about this, people who were slaves pulled out and now they're a community and they're like how, how are they going to govern themselves what, who, what wait how are we going to make the laws god was gracious to give them the laws but they were very detailed and so they were like okay here we we have to know this and so i uh, listened to jen wilkins teaching on this if you guys want more teaching um we based this study off of jen wilkins study and i went and i listened to that it's called it just if you just google Jen Wilkins, Hebrews, you can, you can pull up the, um, the teachings. And she had said that um, the, um, okay, I've lost my train of thought. What were we saying? What were we saying, Suze? How God 
Well, we don't have to teach our kids anymore. Right. I had a thought about You'll have to just go and listen to <laughs> It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> It'll come back to me. Okay. Right, because God already has covered our sin, right. The point that I was going to make that I heard Jen Wilkins say was about the priesthood. They entered the priesthood at age 25, and then for the first five years, so before that they were probably taking care of the animals, whatever. The first five years they learned about what they were supposed to do, and then they were a priest from 30 to 50. That was it. But for five years they're learning, don't do this wrong. Like, there's a way that you have to do this in an order, and so, but even the, um, there's a way that you had to do your purification and all that. It was a lot to do. And what, which part do we have to do? It's amazing. Okay, what else do we know about the old, uh, about the new covenant? It forgives our sins. Forgives our sins, right. Yes. Christ, our only righteousness is because we are found in him, in Jesus. And I love the concept of being found in Jesus is a bit of like a oneness. So if you think, um, I've contemplated a lot, like what does it mean to be found in Jesus? Like I know what it means for Jesus to be in me, but for me to be in Jesus. And it's almost like a oneness, like uh, back in the garden, where um, Abraham, or um, sorry, where Adam and Eve walked with the Lord, and they were in complete unity and oneness, and so that was broken by sin, and so Jesus in, is in the process of reconciling and restoring all things to Himself, and so um, to be found in Him means that when God looks at us, He He doesn't see our sin. For, it's forever because because of Jesus. It's really just so beautiful because even just in those verses, if you will indeed obey, but here in the new covenant, he's going to be merciful yes. and forgive us our iniquity. Yes. And, they will, and I'll just, that's what I wrote, mercy and forgiveness versus turning his back on us. Right. Sort of. I think that's what that other verse said somewhere in there. Was he turning his back on us? It's just mercy and forgiveness. It's just such a con right. These verses are such a contrast. Right, but what? So we don't we don't have to obey, right? But what the part about um, your heart is? Um, he's going to write these laws on your heart. It's you're going to want to obey. You want to. Jen Wilkins said another really great analogy. How she um, for her birthday, her husband got her um, uh, someone to clean her house. And um, she said it was, um, this was a, an example of joyful obedience because she said it was such a mess, you almost just didn't even care, you know, you'd, what does it matter if I, you know, clean off the counters because the floor is a mess. But she said the joyful obedience, once everything was clean, was like, oh, I want to keep this clean. I thought that was a real, that's a really great way to think about, like, I want to try and just keep this um, the way it is, you, your heart is drawn to 
um, obey the Lord because we've seen time and time again how his ways are best. Right? It's relational. It's so personal how God, the whole Bible is about how God wants to be in a relationship with us and, and how we try and distance ourselves from him. And God pulls, he makes provision to pull us back in. The whole Bible is all about that. It's a beautiful story. Go ahead. Yes. Where, Reversal um, of fortunes. There it is yeah, again. That's an excellent point. From the least to the greatest. If you, you not no one person could go in there, so they would be considered the greatest person, the high priest. But whoever whoever wants to draw near can draw near. What an amazing thing! And so. We take it so for granted, but knowing the whole story, you should be like, this is amazing. This place where nobody could go in before, you can sit in your car and talk to God 